Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, as we come now to this time of opening up your word and worshiping you by listening to and heeding your word. Lord, as we are looking at prayer this morning, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would impress in our hearts today the importance of prayer and lead our hearts, Lord, to be diligent in prayer. Lord, as we look at our world, we need prayer. So let us, as your children, be faithful in it. This I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Recently, uh, you can turn in your Bibles, if you will, if you have them there, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 11. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. We'll be looking at four characteristics of effective prayer. Four characteristics of effective prayer. Uh, as we are starting the new year, last week we looked at the uh, importance of Scripture and getting into the Word of God. And this week I want to look at the importance of prayer and how to have an effective prayer life or what to do to have an effective prayer life. So we're looking at that this morning. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Stand with me if you will in reverence for the reading of God's holy word. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asked, ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. You may be seated. Well, recently we've seen some outcry uh, in the press against prayer. Well, we've seen it for years, but we've seen uh, even more here lately. We've you remember just a, a few weeks back we had another national tragedy to occur and there were those uh, politicians who offered up their, their prayers and sympathies to the families who had suffered during that time of tragedy. And some of the newspaper articles uh, got a hold of that and they came out with some articles. Uh, I think one of them was entitled something to the effect, God's not listening. And to the effect that prayer does no good, you need to get to work and, and take action. Well, the, the problem is that the secular mindset can't conceive the existence of God and can't conceive His omnipotent power in this world. 
But as we look at our world, as we look at all that's going on in our world, we know as followers of Christ that the, the best thing that we can do as believers, the best thing that we can do to help our world is to start by praying. Because we got a great and mighty God who is listening and He is doing. But we must be faithful to pray. The thing that our church needs, the thing that our country needs, the thing that our world needs the most is prayer. So we as Christians ought to be diligent in prayer. And we should be concerned about seeking to have effective prayer and an effective prayer life. And so today, as we look at this text, I want us to see and consider four characteristics of effective prayer. Four characteristics of effective prayer that Jesus shows us here in this passage. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And so this is a, a, some kingdom principles that Jesus is laying out for his disciples. And this is one of those. He is teaching them about prayer. And so we see here four characteristics of effective prayer. John Owen once said, if we would talk less and pray more about them, things would be better than they are in the world. At least we would be better and able to bear them and undergo our portion in them with the more satisfaction. Let's give ourselves to effective prayer. Well, as we begin to consider then the four characteristics of effective prayer, the first characteristic that we see in our text this morning is humble dependence. Humble dependence. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Uh, the imperative, there's in fact three imperatives there. The imperative is the voice of command. And so the imperative, there's three imperatives here. The first one is ask, the second is seek, the third is knock. And so we see in that first imperative, ask, ask. That word could also be translated plead, plead, and it will be given to you. Uh, the idea there is that there's a need. Right? There's a need. There's something that we can't do for ourselves, and so we must ask for that. And so as we think about that, think about humbling ourselves and, and dependence upon God, we must first understand our desperate need. We must understand our desperate need. Now, this is kind of difficult for us in our affluent society. I, no one in here probably... Uh, is struggling about what they're going to do for lunch. Many of us will go down to the Family Life Center and have lunch there together. Most of us don't have to worry about what we eat and what we will drink on a daily basis. It's, it's just there. Uh, we don't have to worry so much about the clothes on our backs, the majority of us. And so we, we lose sight of our dependence upon God. We lose sight that it is He who gives and He who provides for us. Back in Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there, I'll turn there and just read it to you, but Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, Moses warns the people of Israel of what we are indeed suffering 
verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 11. Reads, take care lest you forget the Lord your God, not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Listen to this. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. You see, we just take for granted all that we have. It's just, we, we just wake up and it's there, right? We, we go to work. We get good jobs, we, we work, we provide, it's there. But we take for granted the reason that it is there is because God has given us the ability to go out and earn. He has given us the ability to make money and to provide for our families. God gives us the ability. It's not under our power. If it were not for God, we would not have breath in our lungs if it were not for God, we would have not have our being. If it were not for God, we would not exist. So we need to understand our desperate need for God's provision on a daily basis. That's why Jesus tells us in the, the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's model prayer, to uh, ask God to give us our daily bread. It's God who provides. It's God who provides. He gives us the ability to work. He gives us the ability to earn. He gives us everything that we have. We need to understand our desperate need for God. And second, we need to trust God can provide. We need to trust that God can provide. This indeed calls for saving faith, doesn't it? It calls for saving faith. Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. We need to understand that, uh, that before we can ever go to the throne of grace, before we can ever go to God in prayer, we must be righteous. And we have no righteousness in ourselves. We have no right standing before God, not in ourselves. But we are made righteous through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Before we can ever go to God in prayer, we must receive a, right, a righteousness that is not our own. We must receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ by God's grace through faith in Him. Faith that He died on the cross for our sins. He took our sin and our shame. 
And he was raised again so that we might have a right standing before God, that we might be justified before God by clothing us in his righteousness. So before anyone can ever have an effective prayer, you must have faith in Christ. You must be a follower of Christ. There are millions upon millions of people around the world today who are praying empty prayers to Allah and Buddha and all of these other gods. Those prayers are empty. Simply going out into the air unheard by anyone. For your prayer to be heard, you must have faith in Christ. Coming to Him, coming to God in the righteousness of Christ. Do you believe in Christ today? Do you trust in Him? You want to have an effective prayer life, that's the first thing you need. You need Jesus. So, for effective prayer life, you must have humble dependence. Second, the second characteristic of an effective, effective prayer life is active pursuit. Active pursuit. Notice here it says, seek and you will find. Seek and you will find. An uh, interesting thing here, when you look at those three imperatives, ask, seek, and knock, they are followed by some other verbs there. You see ask, and it will be given. You see will be given is a passive verb. It, it, it means that something will be added to you. Something will be given to you. It will come outside of yourself. The same thing with knock. Knock, and it will be given to you. It's an, another passive verb. But when we see seek, uh, that's an active verb that follows it. Seek, and you will find. Seek, that, that calls for activity, for us to begin to do something. You see, as we seek, as we pursue God in prayer, we must pursue that for which we pray for. We must pursue that for which we pray. It, it calls getting up and doing something. You see, prayer is not to be some kind of lazy affair. All right, we don't just simply ask God, oh God, would you please give me, give me, give me, and then just sit back and wait for God to answer. Like he's some servant and brings our stuff on a, a platter for us. And no, that's not what, what God tells us to do. God says, seek. Seek and you will find. You got to get up and, and go do. You got to pursue that for which you pray. For instance, uh, every week before, as I go to my study and begin to prepare my message for Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, I began by going to the Lord in prayer. God, open up your word to me. Let me see your word and, and, and prepare me so that I can prepare this message for your people. Uh, but then after I pray that, I don't just kind of sit back and just come in here on Sunday and open up my Bible and say, all right, here we go, and, and hope something comes out. No, I begin to, to diligently dig into God's Word and study, study, study. I seek what I have asked for. That's the same for us. When we pray to God, we, we must then go and seek. We must seek in faith. We must go and pursue that for which we pray. 
We're not called to just kind of sit back and let go and let God. That's the big word that we get sometimes. That is unbiblical when it comes to prayer. Let go and let God. No, pray and then pursue. Pray and pursue that for which you pray. Pursue God and pursue that for which you pray. We also pursue God's will over your own. You must pursue God's will over your own. Uh, we must understand here that God is not a genie in the bottle, right? You, get, you, you see those, those, those old shows. Well, genie was one of them, you know, the, the astronaut. He found the bottle, he rubbed on it, and genie came out. And genie just gave him whatever he asked for. Genie, just give me this, give me that. Give me. And sometimes we approach God like that. God, give me, give me, give me. This is what I want. Just give it to me. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. God's not a genie in the bottle who is here to serve us. We are his creation. We serve him. So we don't seek our will. We seek God's will. We must seek God's will first and foremost. You've got to seek his will. love this quote from John Piper. John Piper once said, Prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie for spiritual warfare, not a domestic intercom to increase the comfort of the saints. And one of the reasons prayer malfunctions in the hands of so many Christian soldiers is that they have gone AWOL. Far too often we're more concerned about our will, our wants, our desires than we are God's. We are His people. We serve Him. He is our creator, our sustainer. We seek first His will. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. God will take care of us. He'll take care of all of our needs what we're left to do is to seek His will in our lives. We must humble ourselves in humble dependence. We must actively pursue that for which we pray for. Are you actively pursuing God? Are you actively pursuing His will in your life? Humble dependence, active pursuit, and the third characteristic of effective prayer. Unyielding persistence. Unyielding persistence. We get this from knock. Knock, knock, and it will be open to you. The idea here is that you knock and you, you keep on knocking. Luke, in his gospel, he, he presents this same little story here, the same teaching of Jesus, and he expands on it a, a little bit different. Just, uh, you know, all the gospel writers they tell the same story, but some of them tell it from a different perspective. Or they're telling it to a different people, so they highlight different things as they have different purposes. That's why we see the differences in so many, in all the four Gospels. 
A lot of people like to say, well, look at all the differences in the Gospels. That means God's Word is not His inspired Word. It's, it's got errors. No, it just means we've got four different personalities writing for God for different purposes. And so we get these kind of different things as we go. But Luke here, he kind of tells a different story. And, and so he takes this from a different angle. And in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 8, he tells this And he said to them, Jesus said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has received, has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, back in that day, it was customary. If someone arrived, if you had a guest come to your house, you were to provide for them. That was just the hospitable thing to do, and it was a disgrace if you did not provide for guests when they come to your house. And so this is someone who's eaten all their bread for the day, and there's nothing to provide. So he goes to his neighbor and says, I have nothing to set before them. Verse 7, and he will answer from within do not bother me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed I cannot get up and give you anything I tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs and then he goes on into and I tell you ask seek not the idea there, I think, that, that both of the gospel writers are, are trying to get across, the thing that Jesus was trying to get across is that you knock and you keep knocking. You keep on knocking. You don't just go up to the door and go, and that's it, right? If you go to someone's door, you, you knock. You wait a little bit. And then you knock again. And if it's someone that you, that you know, and you know their home, they, maybe they just hadn't, haven't heard you, you, you keep on knocking until they finally hear you. And that's the way God wants us to come to pray. He wants us to be persistent in our prayer, unyielding in our persistence. That means for us that we need to pray specifically. We need to pray specifically. Uh, we need to just come to God, not with just with general concerns, but we need to think about our concerns. Think about what we're praying about and, and ask for specific things. Uh, let me encourage you as you begin a year, if you don't already, keep a prayer journal. Keep a prayer journal. Write things down. When people ask you to pray for something, write their name down and write what it is that they ask for prayer about. And then begin to pray for those things. Write down specifics and begin to pray for those things. And then I would encourage you also to go back through as you keep that prayer journal and just record how, God, you, how you see God answer those prayers when God answers those prayers. Uh, you'll be amazed after years of doing this of seeing how God answers prayers. He doesn't always answer them the way we think they ought to be answered, but his, his answer is always the best answer, amen? Amen. So pray specifically, but also pray consistently. Pray consistently. This kind of gets to the point. Pray consistently. That means on a regular basis. Pray on a regular basis. For a lot of people, when, when it comes to prayer, and, and I'll just be honest, at one time I was like this. 
At one time, I just pretty much prayed when I needed something. I prayed when a crisis took place, when, when something came about and, and there was a desperate need. And, and so many people, that's the way they approach prayer. Just come to God when you need something. But that's not what God wants us to do. That's not what he invites us to do when he offers us the opportunity to, to come to his throne of grace. He wants us to come day by day. Have a regular time of prayer. You need to pray consistently, regularly. Make a plan, all right? Make a plan. If we don't have a plan, it's kind of like the Bible reading. If you don't have a plan, you won't stick to a plan. If you just kind of come to it and just kind of go here, you're not going to be faithful in it. So make a plan. Say, at this time every day, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray or be on your knees or stand or whatever you want to do. But pray. Set a time of the day, every day, that you're going to come to the Lord in prayer. It might be with your morning Bible study. It might be at night before you go to bed. There's no uh, specifics in Scripture on the time that you should go to God in prayer. But uh, I like to rise early in the morning and begin prayer there. Other people might want to pray at night. Whatever the case, pray consistently. Make it a regular habit of daily going to the Lord in prayer. But also pray continually. Pray continually. That is, pray without ceasing. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ for you. Prayer without ceasing. Now, Paul is not saying that you walk around all day, every day, Lord God, you know. Paul was a, he, he was a missionary and a tent maker. He was bivocational. He didn't have a lot of spare time in, at hand, right? So uh, when he says he prayed uh, without ceasing, uh, that doesn't mean he, that's all that he did every day, all day. He had other things that he did. But to pray without ceasing means that you, you have an attitude of prayer all day long. An attitude of prayer all day long. You see, while it is good to have a prayer closet, and I encourage you to have that place that you go to day by day and, and go to pray, whether it be a closet or whether it be your living room or whatever, it's good to have a place to go and pray. But God just doesn't hear us from these places. He doesn't just hear us in our prayer closet. He doesn't just hear us when we're here at church. He doesn't just hear us in our living room. He doesn't just hear us wherever it is that you go to pray. He hears us always, all the time, whenever. So when Paul says pray without ceasing, he means to have a spirit of prayer about you all day long. That's how we ought to be. When someone comes and asks me, Brother Richard, would you pray for me? A lot of times I'll just pray with them right there. If, if circumstances are that I can't pray with them right there, then as I'm walking away from them, I'm praying to God right then and there. I have a, a spirit of prayer that I pray to God whenever it strikes me that I need to pray. Man, some of the best prayer meetings I've had have been in the, the seat of my pickup truck driving down the road just talking to God. We should have a spirit of prayer always. We could, could, should pray without ceasing. Pray continually. So, four characteristics of effective prayer. Humble dependence. Active pursuit. 
unyielding persistence, and fourth, expectant faith. Expectant faith. We expect something to happen, right? We trust God will answer. We trust God will answer. God always answers the prayers of his children every time. Every time. Now, he doesn't always pray. He doesn't always answer them the way we think he ought ought to answer them. He doesn't answer them sometimes the way we ask for those prayers to be answered. But he always answers them. Sometimes he answers them by not answering them. Right? Remember the old uh, Garth Brooks songs? I'm, I'm not real great about quoting Garth Brooks, but he had it right this time. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Sometimes God hears our prayers, and, and he knows that answering that prayer would be the wrong thing for us. And he doesn't answer them. He gives us something else instead. We must trust that God will answer our prayers. George Mueller was a... a a great example of one who trusted God in prayer. God, George Mueller was a, he opened, back in the 1800s, George Mueller and his wife opened several orphanages and he directed them. He never asked anybody, anybody for money to fund these orphanages. He just prayed to God and, and took it in faith that God would provide. God had laid it on his heart to begin those orphanages, so he was going to trust God to provide for those orphanages. So he would pray that God would provide for those orphanages, and God provided every time. One of the great stories that I, I love about George Mueller and his faith in prayer was one morning, they got up, the orphanage come, come alive, and, and they were getting ready, and there was no food in the place, not one crumb of bread anywhere. George Mueller just went on about the morning. He told the kids, come on, get ready for, for breakfast. He gathered them all in there. They set the table. They got it all together, all ready to go. And George Mueller sat down, and he prayed, Lord God, I thank you for this meal that we are about to eat. As soon as he said, amen, knock on the door. It was the town baker. It baked too much bread that morning and wondered if the orphanage could use it. Shortly after that, it was the milkman. His cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage, and he had all this milk, and it was just going to spoil. Could you use it, George, to, for the orphans? We need to trust that God will answer our prayers because he answers every time. Must trust God will answer. And we also must trust God's answer. We must trust God's answer. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We must trust God's answer. We see this in that last part of our text this morning. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God is a good God. He only gives good gifts. When we think about the text here and what, what Luke is saying, what Jesus is saying, there's actually three things. Luke adds another one. This is Matthew's recording, but Luke adds another one in his gospel. He asks, ask, uh, adds this, that uh, if he asked for an egg, would the father give him a scorpion? And so just to think about those three things there for just a minute, we, we kind of see here that God gives those good gifts, and we must trust God for his answer. Uh, what Jesus is saying here that, first of all, God will not deceive his children. God will not deceive his children. That's what he's getting at with that, the stone and bread, right? What father whose child would ask him for bread would then give him a stone. You see, that, that indicates deception. Bread in that time was, was not the nice rectangle loaf that we have, you know, sunbeam, all that. No, it was cooked and it, it came out round. And, and the way it was, it kind of looked like a lot of the stones that were out in, in Palestine in that day. And so what Jesus is saying, what father would deceive his child by giving him a stone, him or her a stone, instead of a loaf of bread when they asked for bread? A father, a good father, would not do that. And our Father in heaven is a great father. He is the definition of good. He's not going to deceive his children. Furthermore, God will not defile his children. God will not defile his children. What, what father would give him his son a snake instead of a fish? Now, fish, all of these are, are staples of the Palestinian diet back in, in Jesus' day. So when you have a fish, that's just a, a common thing. That was something that they ate regularly. And, and so a child would ask for a fish, but a snake, is that was unlawful for the Jew to eat snakes. I know we're here in Louisiana, and you, you know there's some folks around here that eat snake, but that was not the thing to eat in, in Jewish culture. And according to God's law, that would defile a person, make a person unclean. And so what Jesus is saying here is that God won't give his children something that will defile them. Sometimes we ask for things that we may not understand it, but it might defile us. It might lead us to sin. God's not going to honor that prayer. He's not going to give us things that would defile us because he is a good, loving father. God will not defile his children. And third, God will not destroy his children. Think about the scorpion and the egg in Luke's gospel. Uh, the, the scorpion in, in Palestine, I understand that when they sleep, the way that they sleep, they kind of ball up. And, and when you look down on them and, and they're asleep, they kind of look like an egg. And so what Jesus is saying, what father would give his child a scorpion, a scorpion that would sting, a scorpion that might destroy, even kill a child? No good father would do that. Nor would our heavenly father. God will not give us things that destroy us. He loves his children. 
He answers their children, not according to the way they want them answered, but according to their good. All good gifts come down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow due to change. God gives good things. We must trust when we pray. We give it to God. We trust Him with His answer. So the four characteristics of effective prayer. Humble dependence, active pursuit, unyielding persistence, and expectant faith. This is how we should come to the throne of grace with these attitudes about us. This should mark our prayer life. And then we should go out and pray. We need to go out and pray. We need to to take this to heart. We need to do this because prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Contrary to what the world might tell us, prayer always and forever makes a difference. Old Southern Baptist preacher Herschel Hobbes once noted, when faced in prayer and dedication, problems from without the church tend to draw believers together. In such times as these, the cause of Christ knows its greatest victories. When you look through church history, beginning even in the book of Acts, when you look how the church begins to build and and go out and take the gospel to the nations, you see that every outpouring of God's Spirit is, is preceded by prayer. People of God come together. They begin to pray. There at the day of Pentecost, they were gathered together. They were praying, and lo and behold, the Spirit fell down upon them. And it continues. That same pattern throughout the whole book continues. And when God's people, they begin to pray. They get together and they start praying. They pray, 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 and God moves. Go to the day of Reformation. The day of Reformation, the time of the Reformation, people began to pray, 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 and God moved. Go through the history of all of, all of the great awakenings that have taken place and have been recorded, and what do you see? You see God's people falling on their faces in prayer to God, praying, 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 and what happens? God's Spirit is poured out. God's people needs to get serious about prayer. Look at our world. Look at our world. Look at where we're headed. What's the, what's the percentage? 15% of millennials claim to be Christians. 15% of the largest generation in America's history, professes to be a Christian. We need an outpouring of God's Spirit upon our nation. We need to be on our faces for God in prayer. Take to heart these characteristics of effective prayer. 
take them with you and dedicate yourself today to effective prayer. Be active in prayer, for God will never fail to give good gifts to those who humbly and persistently seek Him. Give yourself to prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we must come and thank You. Thank You that we could ever come to Your throne of grace in prayer. Put our prayers, our concerns before Your throne and know that You are a God who hears and answers those prayers. Lord God, may we pursue You, pursue You, pursue You in prayer. You've given Your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we might come to You in a relationship and, and pray. But let us not take that for granted. Help us, Lord. The moving of Your Spirit in our lives. Give ourselves to effective prayer. These things I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you know that your prayers haven't been effective because you don't know Christ. At this time, I'd invite you to come and let me tell you about Him. Come and hear the Gospel. Perhaps you're here today and you have other things you need to take care of. I invite you to come. Take that time now. Maybe you want to give yourself to prayer this morning. And the altar is open. Come. Pray. Brother.